0: Thank you for joining us in Finding God in Video Games. In today's Rewind, we're taking a look at the rise and fall of Telltale Games. If you're not familiar with them, well, it's because they're not really around anymore, but maybe you've played a game like As Dust Falls or something like that that kind of has the similar gameplay style. The surprising and bitter ending to the story for Telltale Games is ironically in keeping with the way many of my decisions panned out in their games. It was shocking, it seemed unnecessary. Definitely seemed preventable and was very sad. Smack dab in the middle of their final season of creating the Walking Dead series, Telltale closed their doors, leaving the final episodes of that series undone and everything they were going to work on in limbo, perhaps never to be completed by anyone. I don't know all the details of the studio closure; some of them still remain murky, but looks like that's all she wrote for this little studio. In an era which point-and-click style adventures were long dead and cutting-edge graphics and blistering fast frame rates were the only qualities worthy of investing a studio into, Telltale said we will have none of these things. They focused on character-driven narratives and offered gameplay that was just as simplistic and accessible as their game engine and their visual style. And for many years, it worked. Telltale danced with the type of licenses that would make any developer jealous. Just look at a few of these brands. Besides Walking Dead, they had Batman, Minecraft, Borderlands, Game of Thrones, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Stranger Things was up next for them. I mean, the opportunity to make a game out of any of those juggernaut properties would be considered a once in a lifetime opportunity for just about any gaming developer out there. So, what went wrong? Now, the truth is, this exponential success came at a very heavy cost for this small studio. Developing one or two quality titles a year is a challenge for any major gaming studio. And the popularity of their games, combined with their copy-and-paste game engine, made it easy for them to continue to release title after title based on multiple different franchises without addressing many of the key desires from their fan base, such as an updated game engine or graphics that were a little more in line with the current industry standards. They got bigger, but they didn't actually grow. And As a result, Telltale finally ran out of financing, even as one of their most viable licenses was up next for release. If they had managed to make the game based on Stranger Things, that might have changed this narrative tremendously. A more tragic truth is that many of us are living that Telltale game's lifestyle in our own lives every day. The over-encumbered life. Never before has a civilization of people had so many options and opportunities to live life on our own terms the way that we do now. Any human being on this planet is potentially one second away from becoming a viral sensation and being known all over the planet. Fame, wealth, power, and success are all more accessible now than at any other time in recorded history. So then, why are suicide rates up, violent crimes rampant, social unrest, and depression at all-time highs? It is this very over-encumbering that is taking over and threatens to close the doors on the happiness and fulfillment that we all crave. If you're not familiar with the concept of over-encumbrance, let me tell you a personal story. Many moons ago, I was putting way more hours than I cared to admit into Elder Scrolls Oblivion. I was exploring a cave that was far above my current capabilities. I had only managed to find the spoils that were inside of it by running and hiding from the enemies rather than actually dispatching them. Once I got inside the cave, I found a suit of armor that was far better than what I was carrying. I was super excited, but I had a problem the armor was too heavy. Even if I dropped everything that was unnecessary to my journey. The armor itself weighed so much more than my character could handle at the time. The only way I could leave the cave with it was I'd have to drop all of my weapons and take my chances with the enemies that I'd been unable to defeat on my way in. As much as I craved this particular set of armor, I wasn't in a place where I could carry it. Even though it represented an improvement, It actually would have been a weight beyond my capacity at that time. I would have spent hours trying to escape in an overencumbered state, slowly walking, unable to jump or run, completely ineffective for defense or offense. The armor I had entered the cave with was simply a better fit for me at the time, and traveling light suited my abilities at this stage of the game. So as much as it pained me to do it, as much as it seemed like that entire cave excursion was now a waste of my time, I left it behind have you been there? Not maybe in oblivion, but just in life. Thanks to the onslaught of expectations we all endure from family, friends, social media, or ourselves, I think we all face this pressure at some point or another. We're so concerned with not only achieving success and happiness, but documenting it, proving it through our pictures, or our posts on Facebook and Instagram, in our resume, and as a result, we continue to take on additional weight without accounting for our ability to carry it. We are trained to start young and fast, achieve a degree and get married, start a career, have kids, buy a house, go on a fancy vacation, which are all very honorable and worthy pursuits. But much like Telltale Games, we just keep running and adding to our load without considering our capacity. And the end result is tired, exhausted, depressed, worn out people who are disappointed with themselves and what they've accomplished. In 1 Samuel, we find a simple solution from the shepherd King David. He was about to face his biggest test in life in the form of Goliath. And David was gifted an armor set from King Saul to provide him with protection and a greater chance for success on what seemed kind of like a suicide mission. I mean, David was a mere shepherd boy, and Goliath was a veteran of combat, oh, and a giant. David did not possess the size, age, or strength of King Saul, who had been described as one of the tallest men in the nation previously. So Saul's armor, which to be honest, hadn't really done Saul any favors here either, he would have been taking on Goliath, was clearly not a fit for David either. And whether Saul was genuinely trying to help David, or maybe intentionally over encumbering him to sabotage him, or maybe he was just trying to take some of the future credit for David's success, being able to say, well, you know not alone the armor. I don't know which of those three it could be. That's a discussion for another day. But in 1 Samuel 17, 38 through 40, here's how it went down. It said, Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head. And he clothed them with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to the armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. He took his staff in his hand. and He chose five smooth stones from the brook them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and his sling what is in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. David took stock of the situation, realized his actual capacity, and chose to travel light. He knew the Lord had nudged him to accomplish this task of slaying the giant, but David had to make the choice of what to bring with him into the battle, and he trusted that the God who can do much with little would be able to use him more successfully by simply braining his sling and some rocks that he was already accustomed to using. By choosing not to engage in the over-encumbrance that was being thrust upon him, maybe with good intentions, by those who may have been considered older and wiser, or at least more successful, by ignoring that, David actually found his own path to success. It's a common misunderstanding that David only used his sling to end this battle. No, you actually have to finish the story to find the end result for Goliath. Now, yes, David did drop the giant with a stone from his sling, and after that, he raced over to the body. Maybe not the, the most gentle conversation here, but he pulled out Goliath's massive sword, and he used Goliath's own sword to sever his neck from his shoulders and in the battle with authority. And there's a very valuable insight there. If you trust that the path God has placed you on is the right one, and that He has adequately equipped you for it, then anything that we may need to finish the job will be made available to us right when we need it, even if that sword is currently resting in our opponent's hand right now. So if you're feeling beaten up, exhausted, overwhelmed, or simply over encumbered, I would encourage you to take off the armor that others have told you that you're expected to wear, and stop worrying about how that may reflect on you. There's no value in being a great looking corpse. If David had made the wrong choice and wore the king's chainmail, nobody would have said, yeah, you know, David did get his butt kicked, but did you see that armor? When Goliath tossed him through the air, it looked fantastic, it was so shiny. Strip off all of the expectations that you have placed on yourself or that others have burdened you with, even if they had good intentions when they did so. See your path through the eyes of your Creator and what He actually wants you to carry. He never intended for any of us to live an over-encumbered life. He said as much in Matthew 11, verses 28-30, when He said, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden.